0: Remain standing for the reading of the word. My name is Jason Harris. Some of you have had food in your refrigerator longer than I've been coming here. You probably need to do something about that, by the way. I've been here a couple of months. Reading is from Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah three hundred years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were three hundred and sixty five years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. You may be seated.
1: My name is Paul Sims, I serve on the worship team and in youth ministry, and I've been serving at NBC for around 10 years. I believe that Christ-like a servant, I mean, it can be quick and easy, I think the decision to do it, it really depends on you know how you view helping others, but um, often it can be inconvenient if someone asks you to do something when you really weren't prepared, you know, if you're in a hurry, or you know, you gotta go. You're taking in the groceries, or someone, and someone asks for help. So it can be inconvenient, but I think as a follower, a lot of times it needs to be first nature. You know, what what would what would so what would I like someone to do for me? Um, you know, that they're asking me. So if so, I would like someone to help me if I was in need. And so I feel like servant or helping others out should be something that is quick. The first thing you think of. I I think that you can't decide to serve and then be, I can't, you can't halfway serve. You have to go in with your full heart and your full commitment and you have to make sure that it's something that you are ready to commit to. Um, If it's something that you're really interested, you're really considering, then um, of course I would encourage them to talk to the appropriate person that is above that ministry or part of that ministry or maybe talk to someone who's already involved in that ministry to kind of help them Understand what exactly is going to be asked or required and um, of course pray for them
0: yeah. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning if you have food in your refrigerator more than two months old, you better do something about it, okay? I mean, gee, thank you, Jason. So if you haven't got to meet Jason or Carmen, please do that. They've been coming a couple months now, and it's just exciting to have them around and I've been getting to know Jason and known Carmen a little while longer, but getting to know Jason as well. So I really encourage that. I love Paul's testimony about serving. If you don't know Paul, a few years back we were moving in a a guy named Kevin who was going to be our children's director. And so we're moving some stuff in. It was the staff. Greg was there and some of us others. And we're trying to move this stuff in. And right across the hall, Paul was there and Earl, this other guy named Earl. Kendall was also staying there at the time, but Kendall wasn't there that day. And they looked at us and they go, Uh, Do y'all need help? And being older, we never turn away young help. And we were like, sure. And so they started helping. We started sharing about Mansfield Bible Church, and they were in college. Neither one of them were married. Uh, I think uh, Paul had just gotten a job here in MISD as a teacher, and so they ended up coming and being a part of our small group. And uh, I had a college group at the time, and. Uh, they were uh, came and got involved in that way. That way, and then Kendall met Tamra, and Paul met Kelsey, and they've been here ever ever since. What a joy! That's what happens when you're part of a family. You know, I say that a lot. We are God's people. We are a family. We're learning how to follow Jesus together. All of those things are so true because it reminds us of the value and the importance of understanding the unity that we have through Jesus and the spirit that dwells within us and the unity that we have, that God would use us in our community for his glory and his purposes. And so as we join together and as we work together, as we learn to follow Jesus together, those things begin to happen. So last couple of weeks, we've been focused on find your place. Well, we're gonna continue to do that. You don't have the tables out there this week, but you can still uh, sign up for things if you want. There's a card in your in your chair in front of you, you can use that. There's a list of different areas where you can serve. Um, There's signs out in the lobby uh, where you can go up to and do the QR code and it'll take you to those particular ministries. As well as you can go to our central hub. Anybody can help you there. If you see something you'd like to do that's not on this list, go to the central hub. We'll, We'll find a way because we're gonna continue talking about finding your place, we're going to move into a place where we're going to start talking or looking at different characters in the Bible. Uh, Enoch, as, he, as Jason just so wonderfully read for us, we're actually, our passage, we're going to be in chapter 11, but I wanted you to read that passage in Genesis chapter 5. When I was 17, 18 years old, I went into where I was committed to reading through the scriptures, And, you know, typically what happens when you get to the genealogies, right? Like that was the genealogy of Seth, the line of Seth. So you jump from four right into chapter six and you miss all this wonderful information that's really important. So I was forcing, I hate using that word because it implies an an attitude towards God's word that I probably shouldn't have. But nevertheless, I read that section and I got to those verses and it blew me away. Here I was, I was, like I said, 17, 18 years old, and I'm reading about this man who walked with God for 300 years. Just like, man, 300 years, you gotta be kidding. And I remember I was sitting there at 17, 18 years old and thinking, now I'm trying to do this for like 80 years. If he can walk with God for 300 years, why can't I do it for 80? And I remember it had such an impact on me that if you were to ask me to this day who my Bible hero is, I would go immediately. I I know the proper way to say his name is Enoch. I always say Enoch because how do you knock a guy that's walked with God for 300 years, right? You know? So anyway, so if you hear me going back and forth, that's why that, and I can't speak English real good, but we try. But I remember at that age where God was really doing a work in my life. And I was making decisions in my life about where I was going to be going in my walk with God. And what kind of walk was I going to have with God? And if you knew me then, you would know, and if you know me now, you probably know this too. When I make a decision, that's it, man, we're going. And that was kind of that commitment that I made as a young man. I'm one of those. I learned it and read it in the Old Testament and putting up little monuments to remind us of truth. And I'm a big believer in things that remind us of God's truth. Um, And one of those times I did that, I went out there and I was just between me and God and I kind of set up this little site right there of rocks. It was nothing, you know, if somebody walked by, they go, oh, someone piled up some rocks. That's all it was. But in my mind, I still remember. I still remember the commitment I made with my God that day. And while I may have had uh, some great victories in my walk with God and I've had some Horrible, horrible failures, yet he's always been the focus of my life because when I come to the end of my days and I've breathed my last, I hope that what people remember is my love for God and my desire to walk after him. Uh, You may remember nice things I did. You probably will remember more of the mean things I said, but nevertheless, I hope you know of the relationship I have with my God and I walk after him. And so the other thing about Enoch that jumped out at me was that it says there that he had 365 years, is how long he lived. And he walked with God for three hundred years, and at the age of 65, he had his first child, and I was like, I had not had any children at the time. So I remember thinking, "Wow, it must be a pretty big deal, right, to have a child, you know kind of thing. And so a few years later, I got married. And Uh, Our firstborn was born, Scotty, and the whole time through the pregnancy, I was talking to the baby in my wife's belly and, you know, talking to him, and we knew he was a boy and just kept sharing things and all that, and I remember the day that he came into the world, and when he came in, he came in screaming, and he didn't stop, you know, he just kept screaming and screaming, and I'm trying to hold my wife's hand and, you know, to support and so forth, and... And uh, my, he had a little bit of jaundice, so they were setting him under the lights, and he's laying over there, and the nurse is handling him. He wouldn't stop, stop screaming. And finally, the nurse said, Hey, Dad, you want to come over here and, uh, and talk to him? And I said, Yeah, sure. And I'll never forget, I went over, started talking to him, and he just went really quiet. <laughs> went really quiet. And then the nurse, after a minute, wrapped him up, and she handed him to me. And she said, Will you walk him to the nursery? Now, we've had five children. The other four, I never got that opportunity. But this is my first. I'll never forget walking down that hallway, holding my firstborn and thinking, I wonder if this is what it meant to Enoch. Because, God, this scares me to death, (laughs) this child, you know? So he's my Bible hero. And he's somebody I want to talk about this morning because there's some things that we learn about Enoch, and number, namely, that he was a man that pleased God. If you will take your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter eleven, and we'll want we'll to read verse five. Don't read verse six yet. Everybody knows verse six, but don't run past verse five. In verse five of Hebrews chapter eleven, it says, "By faith." And I want to stop there. Every since starting in really verse three. All the way through, it's kind of this by faith, by faith, by faith. So I want you to understand that Enoch was a man of faith. We're going to be talking about faith this morning. And it says, by faith Enoch was taken up that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken, up, taken, uh, had taken him. I always find that amazing. Uh, there's only two that we know of in Scripture, Elijah and Enoch. And then it says this about him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And as a young, as a young person, when I began to read these passages about Enoch, and I remember going and reading that, that, that phrase right there, I remember, wow, he pleased God. How does a person please God? Because so many times we think of how we please God by what we do. Like if I... If I feed the poor, I did good. If I help somebody in need, I did good. If I overcame sin in life and I did it, I felt, feel good. And we would think, oh, obviously God is pleased with that, right? And there's a lot of people that do good that do not have faith. Because it says with us in the very next phrase or the very next verse, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because it's by faith that we walk. It's by faith that we move. It's by faith that we conduct our way of life. Faith becomes everything. Faith is a way of life. Faith is everything that we have as believers. Faith allows us to see this world in a way that others without faith can't. Faith allows us to see past the temporal and to see the eternal. Faith allows us to see the building of God and what he's doing in the lives of people in this world. Faith allows us to see his hand, for it is impossible. And that's what verse 6 tells us. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You see, it's impossible to please God without faith. Faith is absolutely a necessity if you're going to walk with God. If you came in here this morning and you came and you, you're like, man, I'm wanting to grow. I'm wanting to learn how to follow God. I'm wanting to seek after him in all my ways. I want to know him. I absolutely want to know him. You cannot do that without faith. You can come through those doors every day of your life. You can walk through the doors of this building every day of your life. You can feed the poor every day of your life. You can do and do and do, but if there's no faith, you're not walking with God. I'm waiting because I thought there would be an amen there. Sorry, I'm having one of those days. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Why is this so important to understand? Because some of us last in the last couple of weeks, we just signed up to serve. In fact, out of the last two weeks, if we were to take the collective of the attendance that we had cards come in, either people signing up to serve or who are serving, we 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 were right at about 43 to 45 percent. Yeah, I was pretty excited about that. And then I started thinking, but Lord, didn't you say your whole body? Because it takes faith to step out, doesn't it? There was one of my good friends here who said, last week said, you know, I I signed up, but I was really kind of apprehensive because I was really one of those that was thinking, can God really use me? And I was like, yeah, he can. Why? Because by faith you believe God will use you. It's by faith that Enoch was able to please God because of his faith. And he became an example to me. Somebody who... I constantly am reminded of when I feel like coming to the end of my rope, when I feel weary, when I feel to a place that I'm not sure about the next step. It's, it's faith that sees me through. It's faith that allows me to see the hand of God in a way that I couldn't see. It's faith. It allows you to see what God is doing rather than just to see what's visible. It's how God begins to change us and work in those areas of our lives. It's how God takes somebody who who the world doesn't even credit and changes the world. It's by faith. It's by faith. The author of Hebrews in chapter one begins to describe what faith is, because that's one of the things I begin to ask. Well, what does it mean to believe? What does it mean to have faith? In verse 11, verse one of chapter eleven, it says, "Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen." It cleared it all up, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, your laughter reveals, right? So, in order to begin to understand what the author of Hebrews is saying here, we need to understand context. So, when we look at the book of Hebrews and we see the context of Hebrews, we see that we see that there were Jewish people. The, the believers who were coming under extreme persecution. They were being dragged out, made fools of. Their property was being taken. It was harsh. It was difficult. You got to remember at the time in Rome, Rome recognized Judaism. And it recognized their leaders. In fact, what Rome would do is when it took over an area, it'd take their people and have them run or, or govern their people. And so as long as everything was going fine, they lived in relative peace. But if there kind of rose a movement under there that was clashing against the government or class, clashing against their leadership, Rome would just come in and immediately remove them and put other people in. They knew this. That's why sometimes you see the Jewish leaders responding to Jesus the way they did because they were more worried about their income and their position and their authority rather than the truth of what God was doing through his son, Jesus Christ. A good reminder for us. But as Christians, they were not recognized by Rome. And so therefore, persecution was growing rampant. And, And the author of Hebrews is writing this, where we're getting this message from Hebrews to remind them not to shrink back. Why? Because they were starting to go back to Judaism even though they had demonstrated faith, even though they had gone through great pers- persecution already. They were now growing weary, they were losing endurance, and they were starting to go back to Judaism walking, back, walking away from faith. And so the author of Hebrews, in that context, he begins to write this. So look back in chapter 10, verse 32. Let's get the context. In verse 32 of chapter 10, it says, but recall, he's telling them, recall the former days when after, when you were enlightened, when you heard the gospel, when you knew the gospel, you endured a hard struggle of sufferings or with sufferings. The word struggle there means conflict. It's often used in the context of of kind of an athletic contest where there's a tremendous struggle going on. And they were struggling with these sufferings. In verses 33 and 34, it begins to describe some of these sufferings. Verse 33 says, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. And sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you, verse 34, for you had compassion on those in prison. And you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. So what's happening here is is the author of Hebrews is reminding him, remember those days when you were suffering persecution, when you cared about those who were in prison, when you cared about those that were struggling, and even though you were being plundered and your property was being taken and it was costing you greatly, you joyfully accepted it because you looked at a better possession that was yours. It was a better possession in Christ. In what God had planned. See, what faith does, what faith does is it helps you to see past the presence. It helps you see the eternal picture. No different than Moses rejecting the riches of this world and seeing a city, the city of God. And rejecting it and by faith, believing. Amen. And so it's the same picture here. He's calling them. He's calling them back. He's reminding them. To remain in the possession, this abiding possession they have. Verse 35, he says, therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. Don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your hope. I often define hope as a confident expectation. It's a certainty that I believe that God will do exactly what he said he would do. My hope is in him. My confidence is in him. And he's telling these he's telling these these Jewish believers who have gone back, going back to Judaism. He's telling them, "Don't throw it away. You need to regain your confidence. Don't throw it away. In fact, that idea of throwing it away is the idea of just kind of like trash, just throwing it down as as if it's worthless. Don't do that. Don't do that, dear believer, this morning." Some of you may have walked in and the life has just been hitting you one thing after another after another after another, and you just are growing weary. You're wondering where God is, you're wondering God's plan, your your faith is wandering. You're growing weak in your hope and your confidence in God. And I'm telling you, just like the author of Hebrews was telling these believers, don't grow weary, don't don't throw it away. Don't lose your confidence. It has great reward when you put your confidence and your hope in God. Verse 36, he says, for you have need of endurance. I love that phrase. You have need of endurance. We all go through our times where we need endurance. We need to remember the course that we're on and we need to sure up our faith. We need to stand confident in who our God is for you have need of insurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised so that when you live your life, when I come to the end of my days and I've breathed my last and I've walked with my God and I'm looking for that Day, that's where my confidence is, dear people of God. I'm going to say some here, and then some of you might not like it. Okay, but hang on, grab onto your chairs or something. We live in we li- we're living in a world right now that is divided, and we as Christians have been dividing ourselves. Now look, we, we can fall on either side of politics, right? We can. And some of you are going, Greg, no you can't. No, yeah, you can. You know why? Because my hope is not in my politics. My faith is not in who my president is. Now do I belittle voting? Absolutely not. I am, I am as committed to my country as a citizen of this, of this country, right? But my hope is in Christ. It's in God, and when all of these things and I see going on in the, in the in the government, in our culture, and all of that, I don't. I'm not sitting here going, "Oh, you know why?" Because for whatever reason, God has put me here for a time like this. God has put us here. This is a time when we can. We got a message that changes people for eternity. It's not their politics that changes their eternity. It's the gospel that changes eternity in the life of the individual who by faith believes. And you know what it tells us in Luke chapter 21? You know what it says? It says, as we see these things happening, you know what we to do as believers? We're to stand up, hold our heads high for, you know what? Our Redeemer is coming. That's our hope. That's our hope. I'm not telling us to not be good citizens. What I'm saying is make sure your hope is in your God. And we are not to throw things away. We're not to grow weary. What's he go on? He says in verse 37, For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But uh, my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Those words struck me as much as the words about Enoch, who had pleased God that we would shrink back, that somehow we would, we would grow weary, we would somehow allow the pressures of this world that we would lose sight of what God has called us to, that we would not take, put this in the right place in the authority of our lives, and we would begin to live after our own ways and our own thoughts and our own purposes, that we would, we would not be a people of faith, but we are because a righteous one shall live by faith. And he's quoting Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4 here. There's only four times in scriptures that phrase is used. Did you know that? It's used twice in Paul in Romans 1:17 and Galatians 3.11, I believe it is. Yeah, 3:11. Only two places used. There, Paul's concerned about the way a person becomes or comes or to be accepted by God. It's used in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. It's used by the prophet there. As God is speaking through him, because his people were going under tremendous persecution, you know, you can see why he would put it right here in this passage. They're going through tremendous persecution. They're calling out. They're wanting God to 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 deal with their enemies, the Chaldeans, and He hasn't come yet. And the prophet is telling them just to wait. No matter what you do, you can't make the judgment come any quicker. No matter what you do, you can't make Jesus come. Any quicker. I know there's some different thoughts out there theologically, but let me correct you today. You can't. He's going to come when he decides to come. And the, ref- the righteous person is preserved by their trust and their faith in God to deliver them. And that's what Habakkuk chapter 2. So when we walk into this passage here in in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, he's reminding these believers not to shrink back to unbelief, but what? To press on in faith. Because the righteous one shall live by faith. We must wait patiently for him. Though the persecution may be more than I can take, and the pressures and the weight of the world seems to be so much, or to wait. And the author wants to encourage him to press on. In fact, that's what he says in verse 39. he says, "But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and preserve their souls. We are not those who shrink back. Faith and shrinking back are opposed to each other. You can't have faith and shrink back at the same time. It is important for us to move forward in faith. So when he walks in verse 1 of chapter 11 and he says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. That word assurance literally means a substructure. It's like right here I'm standing on this little stage. It's it's a structure in which I'm standing. So the faith is my structure in which I stand in my spiritual life. We talked about it a few weeks ago, faith alone, remember? Justified by faith. The means in which I receive what God has done is by faith. I stand here today with nothing in my arms that, didn't, that make me righteous in his sight other than my faith to believe that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Amen. It's by faith. And it's no different for my salvation and believing in him than in my walk with God. That we understand that it's our faith that is our substructure that holds us up to believe in a God from everlasting to everlasting, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who speaks and is the one in all of his glory and majesty, and he alone is God. It's in him that my faith is, and that's my substructure in my walk after Christ. It's my confidence. To understand, that's what it says in the next phrase, to understand that the, the things I see are not the end, but it's the things that are visible, invisible, because I understand what God is doing. So I'm able not to see just the wall, but I'm able to see past the wall that God has for me. That my faith has brought me from death to life, even though at times this body of sin seems overwhelming. Yet I know the victory that I have in Christ. To see that, I see it by faith. And when I serve him, I see and understand it isn't my abilities or my strengths. It's faith in him. It's faith. I don't stand before you today because I think I'm a great speaker. I don't stand before you today because I think I've been, I have this special gift. I stand before you today in faith. Believing that God's spirit will speak to your hearts today because of his word. It's all we have. And it's no different if I believe in that to be true than if I believe that God's called me to minister to children and I can go and minister to those children. It's no different. It's no different. You see, the constant is faith. That's what he says in verse 2. For by it the people of old received their commendation. It's no different than those if we go back to Abraham who believed God. where we see Elijah, where we see Elisha, where we see King David and all of their failures but still believing by faith. You think the great moment of faith is that, that the Red Sea parted? For me, you know what, the great moment of faith, I've said this before, some of you may remember. That's when he held up his arms and believed God would do it. In the last part of chapter 11, there's those it talks about who ended up in in caves, who were beaten, who were cut in two, who lost everything in this world, and it says they did that by faith. And you know what it says about them at the last part? of, I think it's verse 28. You know what it says? Of which this world is not worthy of which this world's not worthy, by faith. It's by faith. Look at it in verse 11. He says, by faith, and this is where he starts at. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. I love the phrase, the very first phrase when he says, by faith, we, all of us, you have faith, I have faith. And go to Romans chapter 12, verse 3, where it talks about the proportion of faith. We have faith, and if we have faith, and that's our substructure, what can stop us? I mean, is our is our community too too big? Your God's too small, or your faith is too weak. You see, it's by faith that we please God. It's by faith that we understand that he exists and he will reward those that seek him. It's by faith that over and over again in this chapter that the author of Hebrews lists the great victories that are taking place, the great moments of faith that we think somehow it was for them. No, it's for us too that we by faith. I mean, remarkable that Israel would walk around this town called Jericho, you know, with all these walls. And we think it's the great, greatness of God that the walls came crushing down. But what amazes me is each day for seven days they walked around the city. You know, I'm thinking about the second or third day I'd be kind of going, hey Joshua, are you sure you got the message right? You know, I mean, are we supposed to do this seven times? Are you sure? I mean, can you imagine the people in Jericho laughing as each day they walked around the city? And then here comes the seventh day And he tells them to shout. You know, is that how you would have shouted? Or do you by faith, knowing that your God is all powerful, and you scream out and you shout, and the walls come down? Great moment of faith wasn't the walls coming down, it was each of those seven days that they believed God. Where Noah, I mean, Noah, can you imagine Noah? They, they They had never seen a flood. He's building a boat on dry land. This wasn't a one-year project, by the way. It was, I think, like 80 years. I don't remember if somebody remembers that. it. 120. 120, thank you. I knew somebody would know. 120 years, he's sitting here building on a boat. I'm struggling to try to get through 70 years, you know? By faith. By faith. That's why when you, when you step out and you begin to serve God, it forces you to step out by faith and that's where you begin to see God work. We all want to have faith for our salvation because we want heaven. We want to have faith for the righteousness of God because we we don't want to live in sin. We have faith for the goodness of God because we want goodness in our lives. But when we have faith in God and understand he's given us the ministry of reconciliation and we begin to step out by faith, Then we get to really see, man, some amazing things of our God. I think of Jerry and Ann. Sorry. They were volunteers in our adult, they were adult volunteers in our youth group. And man, they stepped out in faith and God used them in such a powerful way. Jerry married Lydia and I. To this day, I still text with him. He's like a second dad to me. The impact that he had because he simply stepped out by faith, believing God would use him. He had all the reasons to think, why, maybe not. Oh, they're not going to like me. I'm not really cool. All of those kinds of things. But by faith, he stepped out and God used him. It's no different whether you're going to greet and meet people. and You think, well, gee, I don't know if I can do that. And you step out by faith. You step out by faith, whether it's local missions or global missions. You know we've been talking about. We mentioned that we got a missions trip that Greg's going on here in November to Pakistan. We've got to raise about twelve thousand. And there's things we can would love to share, but we can't about that trip. And there's some amazing things that God can, is going to do on that trip. And we we need to raise a lot of money. You know, the economy's changing. I even heard this morning people talking about how their budget has grown. And I started thinking, oh, maybe we can't do these things. Wait, wait, by faith. When God's people step out by faith. You know, we, we wanted to do our fall fest. We're talking about, um, you know, finding if somebody would donate meat. We could sell plates to raise money to do this ministry in Pakistan. You know, if you know somebody, let me know. I'm just by faith. I'm I'm amazed we got some guys raising up who are wanting to do two seven, and do discipleship. I'm excited about that. Root is taking off again. Those are those are things stepping out by faith. But we need to continue. Is our town too big? I think about our students. I think about this building over here. Uh, one of our adult workers that's. Got too hot this morning because our AC can't keep up. The building has got issues. Can we? Can we? Can we have a vision over there? Or do we have enough faith? What is God calling you? What is He calling you to do? Don't don't sit on the side because because Enoch. When I look at him, and I just hope that I, when I get to the end of my days that. That I remained in faith. I walked after God. I want you to do the same. I'm challenging you, every one of you in here. Maybe you wandered in, and this church thing isn't necessarily your bag of tea. I'm asking God's Spirit to move in your heart and to change that. Don't have a hard heart, have ears that are ready to hear. Let us be a people that step out by faith, believing in a God, not in our abilities, not in our resources, not in our capabilities, but in an Almighty God who, from everlasting to everlasting, is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that is not changing, by the way. And we are His people. And we need to walk by faith as His people to challenge a community with the gospel, we're less than 1% of this community. I was gonna break it down even more, but I decided I wasn't that good at math. Is our community too big for us to reach? Is our community too big for us to minister to? Is our hearts too bitter? Can his love break down our hearts, our division? that we might take forth the ministry of reconciliation, the gospel? Is our neighbors worthy to hear that message? Do we have faith that God can use use us in their neighbor's life? Do we have faith that we can reach those? Our our Feed the Kids is about to start. We're covering some of those kids. There's opportunities all around us to help, help people and to be, to step out by faith, to be that person that God can use with the gospel of Jesus Christ. (sighs) Amen. Um, I'm gonna pray. I probably could go another 20 minutes because I want you to have the vision that God has been giving me, a vision for our community, a vision for our people, a vision for our church, a vision of faith, a vision of God working in such a way that even the unbeliever looks and says, that man couldn't do it. It has to be God. Can't we do that? By faith. Let's pray. Father God, speak to us. May your spirit move in such a way that, Father, none of us can ignore your spirit this morning. Maybe we came in this morning and we're, we're just weighed down and Faith seems so far away. Father, revive, renew, strengthen. Let them not, Father, throw it away. Let them not be reckless with their faith and their confidence in you. Open their eyes, let your spirit speak to them, Father. May their hearts be soft and ready. Father, others may have came in and just even doubt that you could use them in such a powerful way. Again, Father, let them see who you are. Let them rest in who you are, God. In all of your power and your glory, if you, could, if you could take me that today I could stand here and share your word, what can you do with each of us? We're just servants. Man brought you, Father, So many brothers, but the but the one that you chose, King David, the one you chose was still with the sheep. Because we as your people didn't have faith to see beyond. We think it takes clout and strength and influence and resources, but we have a God in you, Father, that takes all of that away. You're an equalizer, you're all powerful, you're able to do beyond what we could ever imagine or think. God, may our faith grow today that we would understand who our faith is in. And Father, we would not be a people that are without vision, without hearts for service, that we would be a people that can see beyond the wall in front of us of what could be and what you could do with your people fully surrendered to you who walk in faith. Speak to us, Father.